You're listening to the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the world-leading tech incubator, the DMZ. In this podcast, each episode brings in the movers and shakers of the world to cover leadership mentality, tips for business owners, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's your host, Canada's leading podcaster, CPA and business strategist, Robert Gold, managing partner at Bennett Gold LLP. Once again, from high atop the Movers and Shakers Podcast Center, Toronto, live and in the morning, or way off to the west, I can see Big Beaver, Saskatchewan. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accountants and CPAs in Toronto. Today, this is going to be really, really interesting. Roya Kachui is with us. Roya is the co-founder of Walletify, and she is a serial entrepreneur. I cannot wait to get into her story, because Roya has worked in various business areas in the past. And she's really familiar with the tech ecosystem, which I want to get into with her. Particularly, we're going to get into some fintech discussion. Roya worked for leading Toronto-based companies. She's seen what it takes to build and scale a successful practice. So, Roya, welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me. Roya, tell us a a little bit more about your journey as an entrepreneur in the tech space and how it led you to found Walletify. So, I immigrated to Canada about seven years ago with a master's degree submission in my hand from Illinois Institute of Technology. I was dreaming about doing something to change the world for better at the time, and I thought postgraduate education to be the shortest path to entrepreneurship. You know, going to university, tapping into entrepreneurship community, and finding your way up type of thing. Despite what I planned, uh, life took me to what seems to be the exact opposite direction at the time. I ended up starting a job here in Toronto, uh, actually on the exact same day as uh, my university's first orientation session. And it all happened because uh, the money I was counting on to pay for my tuition with did not come through. Uh, I was very disappointed back then, I remember. Uh, but soon after I began settling down in Canada and observing the market needs, uh, I started coming up with a few ideas, but I had no clue how to start, where to start, or how to tap into startup spacing ecosystem. Rasmin, my uh, the co-founder, and I used to go for, you know, long walks, brainstorm ideas, or sit down at coffee shops and imagine what our lives would have been like if the apps we were ideating were already out there and existed. But um, after a little while, I kind of started the entrepreneurship journey, and my first attempt was a total failure. But the biggest takeaway for me was the network I built and also, you know, uh, things I've learned about product management. Um, I remember back then while I was uh, working on the first idea uh, with Rasmin, we actually applied for CDL with Walletify's idea. It was 2017, and I remember we were so stressed about, uh, you know, our first interview round. We got to the business school uh, at U of T and, uh, you know, saw this huge crowd. Everybody like was getting ready. A lot of people had pitch decks. Some of them had uh, prototypes and whatnot. And we had nothing. We literally had nothing. We were so naive to believe that, you know, we would just like talk to them about our idea and they will see how brilliant this is. Anyways, uh, we kind of got rejected and we put the idea aside for a couple of years because we were working on something else at a time. Well, we kind of came back and picked it up at uh, uh, like early in, uh, in 2020. Um, Ever since, you know, we've built our MVP, we released it to the market, we've uh, acquired some users, and it's so exciting. It's such a journey, and we've learned a lot on the fly while trying to make things happen, you know, and I'm sure that there's a lot more ahead, so we're so excited about what's ahead of us. Royal, what was that first product that you didn't have the pitch deck that you say you could not even present it appropriately? What was that product? Oh, 
actually a little bit fight. It was working uh, on a small project at a time, but you know this opportunity came up to present AI-based or machine learning-based idea uh, at CDL, and we were like, okay, why don't we pitch Wallify to them? And if you know they get to pick us, we kind of start working on Wallify. Ah, so Wallify started early on, and then it's it's developed over this time frame through the good, the bad, and the ugly of pitching. Yeah, we kind of paused for like a couple of years there, though. Like, you know, after they didn't pick us, we kind of paused because, you know, we thought the other idea we were working on had a shot and had a better opportunity. But, you know, we kind of dropped it that at some point because we saw the market to be very hard to tap into. Actually, talking to an investor led us to uh, pick Wallify up again um, early in 2020. So let's talk about Walletify and personal financial management because the global fintech industry has seen massive growth this past year. And I understand yeah. the research I read, it's going to reach $324 billion by 2026. I mean, fintech is a big term, so we might get into some definitions afterwards. But the pandemic, I know, contributed to the growth and pushed the personal finance space through huge upwards trajectory as more individuals needed to get a handle on their personal finances, especially during an economic downturn. Let's talk about the fintech industry for a second. Can you define the fintech industry and define fintech for me before we get into Walletify? Yeah, well, fintech could mean a variety of things. A lot of people, when talk about fintech, they focus on you know the insurance aspect the long-term aspects of like people's finances versus what we are focusing on. What we are focusing on is mostly about your day-to-day finances, which is um, also like another uh, part of fintech industry. We don't necessarily focus on the payments or the insurance or, you know, the loans and mortgages and whatnot. We focus on your day-to-day personal financial life and how you can improve it because we believe that if you get to actually make those incremental improvements into your day-to-day life, that's how you can it can like uh, roll up into something much bigger that could affect your life overall. So let's compare Walletify to some of the other personal financial management apps that are out there and, and programs and, and other disciplines. How, how do we differentiate ourselves? So basically, Walletify is a smart personal financial assistant app that helps Canadians and Americans make the most out of the money they make or they bring in, if you will. And it guides them to spend it on things that uh, makes them happier at the end of the day. Backed by machine learning, Validify suggests the smart spending choices by looking into your past expenses and help you overcome psychological reasons that demotivate and distract you from achieving your goals. Um, our goal is to get you, uh, our users to practice some aspects of financial literacy by spending a few minutes a day on Validify app. And that's what's differentiating us from other products in the market. Well, there's no question that financial literacy in Canada is a huge issue. It's a real problem. We don't teach the kids appropriately. We have young adults that can't understand this. People have no clue what to do with the RESPs or RSPs or TFSAs. Never mind getting a handle, as you say, on your website, walletify.com. Maximize your wallet. I think that's brilliant. But this sounds like a bit of a personal mission for you. What, What made you want to help people understand their spending habits? Yeah, that's actually another story. It goes back to like a few years ago. Um, a few years ago, I started like, the new year with a resolution to save for a big financial goal myself. And a couple of months in, I did some analysis to see how well I was doing. And I realized that what I was saving wouldn't get me anywhere near what I had to save by the end of the year. So I started looking for solutions out there. I tried more than 10 different applications, uh, like mobile apps, but none of them could uh, help me understand what I was doing wrong or to better say what I could have done better. You know, I ended up spending hours building a time-consuming spreadsheet 
Uh, the upside was that it helped me reach my target, but it needed constant adjustment. And, uh, you know, if I was not on the docs on my spreadsheet for a couple of weeks, everything would fall apart. And on top of that, um, there is a certain limit to, you know, what a spreadsheet could do for you, right? Uh, for instance, it wouldn't give you tips or insights or tell you about unexpected expenses or, you know, find you small cutbacks here and there. But anyways, after I reached my uh, like saving goal, I realized that the techniques I built along the way sent me through my life. And so I applied the same techniques actually to build sinking funds for a few other shopping items that I had. At some point, this whole problem took my interest. And I was curious if anybody else out there is having these challenges or not and how well they're managing. And so I looked into some stats. I talked, I, I remember I talked with like a few uh, personal and finance management influencers back then. Um, and I also, Razman and I uh, ran a few surveys trying to find out more about people and how, uh, how they kind of solve this problem for their own self. And we came to this understanding that even though efficient money management is an old problem, the cracking solution needs continuous evolving. And it's simply because the financial products and services out there keep getting smarter and changing our financial life. You know, for instance, a solution that was groundbreaking back in 20, uh, 2010 is not enough, is not good enough anymore. Today, the problem is how to bring the focus back into our financial life. Most of us don't even really uh, feel how much we really make because all these little payments uh, here and there drain our bank account right after we get paid. And at Volodify, we've made this our mission to increase the quality of life by improving the financial health for people. Let's talk about entrepreneurship for, for a second, because as you talk about this, I can see how passionately you've dived into it. You're solving people's problems. I believe to succeed in any entrepreneurial endeavor, you need two P's and an F, as I like to say, passion, perseverance, and focus. Somebody also said you have to have fun, so maybe it's two P's and two F's. Given all that and given what you've learned, what, what couple of points would you make to individuals that are looking to launch a tech product, or even not a tech product, but it's a personal passion project. How do they make it succeed in an economic way? How do they turn a personal passion project and a deep belief into a business? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe like there are, there's not a right answer or even a wrong answer to this question. You know, you, you should see what works for you best. But I would say there are a few factors that everybody should consider. One is how big is the problem and how many people are suffering from that problem. And the second thing is that, um, you know, how big is the market? Because at some point, you got to raise money. Uh, this was something that I learned, like, a little bit late in the, in the journey. Uh, but I would definitely advise people to look at, into the TAM, like, total addressable market. Get a good understanding of how you're, you're going to uh, basically generate revenue with uh, your idea eventually or right uh, off the bat. And uh, make sure that the, target, uh, the market you're targeting is big enough for your business, for your idea to turn into a like, big, successful business. That's a really good point. Make sure you understand your market. Tell us about some of the hurdles you hit when you were doing your fundraising rounds. Uh, yeah, we actually just recently started a fundraising round. Um, but uh, I would say understanding to explain your startup from the point of view of an investor is very important because uh, you might be very passionate about what you're building and you might actually overlook some of the factors that are very important to investors. You've got to remember that what matters to investors is how 
uh, your startup is going to start generating revenue and bringing the money back, how you can actually provide reasonable ROI. And these are the things that um, I had to learn personally. Thanks to a lot of uh, programs here in Canada that help startups, I've learned a lot about how to present my startup, how to do proper research um, behind some of the facts I present, how to you know do proper research around the time Samsung and the market, solidify the business model, make sure that uh, you know it's not just an idea that will build trendy application, but it's something that can be sustainable and that can uh, um, grow and scale and turn into something uh, much bigger than just a simple idea. Are there resources that you can point us to that helped you along the way to, to realize that success? Yeah, I think it very much depends on the industry. It very much depends on uh, where you're at with your idea. Uh, what I did personally was that I went on LinkedIn and I, you know, actively found people who were part of acceleration incubator programs. I went on, you know, just Googling of what are the accelerator programs, what are the incubator programs, and try to apply for all of them. I was, I remember like last year, actually around this time, I was aggressively applying for. 10 or 15 different programs. And you just want that like first acceptance. And then from there, you know, you will find your way into the ecosystem. You will find your way with perseverance, of course, and with like listening to what they have to tell you and how to kind of tailor that into your idea and into what you're building. You would eventually, you know, build up the steps and hopefully build your idea into a small business and hopefully get to scale it up. That's terrific advice. Tell me something. What's next for Letify? If we take a look at where fintech is going and where it's come from, this is like it's growing leaps and bounds, as we talked about. Where do you see us being in the next three, five years? What's your vision? Yeah, well, we're really interested in helping as many people as possible with their financial health. And we have a lot of features in our list to build. Now, as much as I wish I could clone every one of my team members, since that technology doesn't exist yet, we uh, are thinking of falling back on a more realistic option. Well, actually, we are thinking of um, going after around the fundraising to help us speed things up a little bit uh, with our product development and building the steps towards our grand vision. That's fantastic. And now, my favorite part of these episodes are rapid-fire questions. You may or may not be familiar with this, but I'm going to ask you a number of quick questions. You give me the first answer pops in the top of your head. Are you ready? Yeah. Favorite quote or a memorable piece of advice that you've been given? That's a good question. Because actually, a few of them I can't think of, but I guess I would go with, you know, leave the earth a better place than you found it. Favorite part about being a startup founder? Oh, the strategic thinking behind prioritizing the necessary steps, I would say. I'd love how you, you know, you go through like strategizing, planning, executing, measuring the results, and then finding, you know, what didn't work and go back at it, at it over and over until you make it work. Perfect entrepreneur. Early bird or night owl? <laughs> Can I say a bit of both? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. A little bit of both. A little bit, yeah. What are you currently yeah, watching on Netflix? What are you streaming? On Netflix, I actually am not watching anything on Netflix right now. <laughs> not watching anything streaming? Whoa, the only one in Canada. What book would you recommend? I think I would recommend Grit by Angela Duckworth. Ah, yeah. what's your favorite travel destination? Oh, that's a hard question. I cannot pick one, never. But I think I can say that I'm always drawn into places where you know, I can find more about important historical events that happened in the past and who played a key role in them and what was the intention and whatnot. Yeah. What are your top tips? One, two, or three top tips for saving money? Oh, the top tips. Great. Um, 
know your financial lifestyle, know how you work, you spend money. It takes observations. It takes you to kind of track how you're doing things for a little while until you have that understanding. Look for insights and tips that could help you find, uh, you know, areas where you could direct your money towards things that matter toward things that make you happy at the end of the at the end of the day and automate automate things and make room for things that are a little bit more advanced you know um, instead of being tangled up in the basics tell me something what industry will be gone in five years my favorite question because nobody gets it right away <laughs> that is a will be like completely gone 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 gone. Like automated? gone 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 oh, okay Interesting. Um, gone, gone, gone. You can't say photo finishing because it's already gone. <laughs> no, we actually, I don't, I think I don't know the answer to that question. All right. Well, there, there is no correct it. answer to this question. I did have, I say this all the time when I ask it. We had one guest say paper and one guest said lawyer. So you can't take either of those. <laughs> so, Roy, let's just talk finally about where we can find you. Where can our audience and our listeners find you on the socials? Where should we be looking? Yeah, for sure. So um, our audience can reach out to us um, through our LinkedIn and Instagram account. Those are the, the places that are the most active. Uh, of course, they can always uh, visit our website, followthefi.com. Uh, make sure you go to HTTPS. <laughs> um, and yeah, there is like a contact us page where they could shoot us a message and we're happy to connect with them. Well, I hope that people do because fintech and personal financial management and financial literacy is such a big thing for success in Canada. And just to repeat, if we didn't say it, Walletify is W-A-L-L-E-T-I-F-A-I, Walletify.com. Roya Kachui, co-founder of Walletify. Roya, thank you for being a guest on the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was great fun. Until next time, I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner at Benicold LLP, Chartered Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to know what a great CPA firm can do for your innovating company, check us out at benicold.ca. See you next time in the morning, everyone, and good night. Big Beaver, Saskatchewan. And that's a wrap for this episode of the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at dmz.ryerson.ca for more tips and tools designed to support your business. Until next time.